I bought a pair of tracksuit bottoms at the Arndale shopping center. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host Ian McCourt. We are over the quarterfinals and onto the semis of Euro 2016. So far, the football has been more mixed than drinks on a stag do, but with three European superpowers and uh, Portugal still left in the tournament, the next few days should be more fun than a weekend with Batman, followed by a ride of the trolley from Battery Park to the Polo Grounds. Here to get excited about all of that is Paddy Higgs. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't that bad. That was yeah. fine. It was better than the other week. Okay, slightly better <laughs> than the other week. But caught me off guard. Uh, Andre Gonzalez. Hello. And Casper Schmick. Hey. Casper, I've just learned the most interesting thing about you. And did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, all fair, but we're, we're, we're going to repeat it again. Uh, when you lived in Manchester, what was the first thing that you did? Well, the first thing I bought uh, to blend in with everybody was uh, I bought a pair of tracksuit bottoms. At the Arndale shopping centre. <laughs> <laughs> it felt great, you know. I didn't know anybody. I started a new life, basically. <laughs> um, one thing, one of the first things I learned about um, my girlfriend was that um, for dinner at her house when she was growing up, her tracksuit bottoms were unacceptable. Ooh. Well, I think that's a good thing. Uh, lucky she didn't live in Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> it is very lucky indeed. Uh, let's start off today with Germany, shall we? Finally, they've made it past Italy in a competitive match, but you must have been shaking like a toothache during those penalties, Casper. Well, during and I think two days afterwards still, it really <laughs> didn't feel like a big relief having won that game. Uh, but um, yeah, finally we've done it. Um, 18 penalties, I mean, what a crazy match. Um, and I think we deservedly went through. Um, I mean, Italy uh, are such an uncomfortable team to play against. Um, and, you know, um, kudos to, to how they've performed, um, given the, the squad that was available for them and, you know, the lack of midfielders and all that. Um, but, yeah, I think Germany played a decent enough match um, and um, and glad to be through now, obviously, we lost some people on the way. Uh, Hummels is suspended. Um, uh, Kedira is injured. Might make it back for an eventual final. Um, Mario Gomez is uh, out of the Euros, um, which is terrible news. Um, but still, we're in it with a chance. Going back to the penalties for a moment, did anybody have a, a favourite one? Uh, a least favourite one or a favourite one? I mean, because it was almost, you know, Germany won having the honour of being the least worst at penalties that night. <laughs> uh, you, know, you could not get a worse penalty shootout skill-wise than that. Um, I, I still think that Pelé is is definitely the one that stands out for me. I wouldn't say it's my favourite one, but um, the, the German uh, TV here before the game had a nice little feature on him and his father and you know the fact that Pelé hadn't made his Italian debut until he was 29, I think, and you know he'd been at Adz Alkmaar and all these sort of clubs before he'd sort of risen to, into the uh, Italy national team. And it, it actually created quite a nice feeling about Pelé, the, the person and his family and his father and stuff, and then... And he just brought it all undone, didn't he? I right. mean, it was it was just a, such a silly thing to do. It's it's like asking the football gods, please strike me down now in front found, of all I these found, people. I found it amusing. Yeah, the the little hand gesture beforehand and everything, everything that went with it. What was Zaza thinking? 
And somebody can it anybody wasn't. explain this to me? Was he thinking that he's Johnny Wilkinson or something like that before? Or <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't thinking clearly. Because uh, he's normally there was a weird strategy, but the kind of strategy that you know is going to fail. Uh, for starting, um, the the substitution, the the Conte move, uh, putting Zaza in the last minute in order to to uh, take a penalty. Come on. You don't agree with that? No, not at all. What was the, the the emotional involvement of Zaza with the match? None, zero. He came straight for from the the bench to to take a penalty. You never do that. It, it doesn't work. It, it was completely off in in a different level comparing with uh, all his teammates. So it was I, a big mistake. See, I thought he might have been clinically detached from the game and therefore could just focus on the penalty. You need to be involved emotionally with a with a, with a match. Uh, otherwise, you're a fucking robot. And there we go. Paddy finally has his first curse on the podcast. <laughs> That's great. I'm can, actually, can we beat this? No, we're definitely, we're definitely keeping that in. Paddy has been yeah. campaigning for some time to get at least one F word on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And I've been... I didn't want to do it myself. I really wanted someone else to do it. I've been working hard yeah. to, to keep it out. But uh, we're going to have to leave that one in. Um, can we beep it? No, no, no. It's, it's staying. It's staying. Yeah. Uh, so, Casper, as you said before, there's no Hummels. There's no Gomez, there's no Kadira. So how is Yogi Love gonna is, is gonna set up his side for this for this France game? Well, first of all, he's gonna switch back to the to the back four defense, um, four two three one probably, um, because the three five two system was clearly just for for Italy for Italy. Um, so the back four is relatively clear for me it would be Kimmich on the right Hovedes Boateng in central defense Hector on the left then in <clears throat> then it's Tony Kroos um, and one of Emre Chan or Weigel uh, from Dortmund um, now Chan is the more physical option Weigel is the more sort of passing uh, option and I think he might actually go for Weigel um, really? just, just for sort of safety uh, you know safety on the ball reasons um, and then up front it will probably be Müller, Özil, Draxler uh, and Götze um, as, you know, your number nine. Um, and, I mean, I don't like that option very much. Um, um, so the other thing that I could see would be Müller playing up front and Sané on the right. But Sané, um, which would be a total element of surprise that France wouldn't, you know, calculate with. Um, but I guess um, Löw won't throw two complete newbies into the squad so I think it will only be Weigel and the rest um, will be made out of Müller, Özil, Draxler, Götze and in kind of a kind of a flexible system shifting positions all the time Given that you have Kroos who can pass the ball wonderfully why do you need Weigel in there? Surely you need somebody like Emre Chan who can who can do that sort of spade work like the box to box midfield stuff In a way yes you need it but I think Emre Chan is is a bit of a liability uh, sometimes because he's sort of over-motivated. Um, so I think Löw just doesn't trust him enough on, on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Chan's been a defensive midfielder for Liverpool for the all of last season, but he's never, I don't think he's maybe ever played there for, for Germany. He's always been really, or at least consistently employed as a right-back or a full-back. Um, so it's clear that uh, that that Louv, as, as Kasper said, doesn't really trust him, and particularly maybe in this big game, um, to be calm enough and predictable enough for that role. Um, and I think Weigel is perhaps a bit more limited in his physicality and his, perhaps his tackling as well. Um, but 
also a bit more um, trustworthy for Love in this case. Well, he's only 20 years old. He's one cap to his name. I mean, Emre Chan has at least got the Europa League experience. And with the, I mean, besides that, does anybody think that, that Schweinsteiger won't be fit? I just assumed he will be. There's a, there's, I assume he won't be fit. Yeah, same, same. I think the, the, the latest is that he's, he's maybe a 50-50 chance at best. But I think even at 50-50, Schweinsteiger strikes me as the sort of person who would want to take the chance and go out there and play. I think he would want to play, yes, but Löw was actually specifically saying in his last press conference mm. that he will not make the mistake again um, to field a player who's not 100% fit, yep. um, which uh, he didn't refer to a, spe- a specific incident, but it clearly has a hint towards Schweinsteiger in that case, I think. And maybe even he wants Schweinsteiger to be fully fit for the final if if that should come. Okay. Um, <laughs> you sound. You don't you're, sound you're convinced. Not happy, I'm not. It's. I just feel like you're in the semi-final of a European Championship. I think there's a potential that Kadira could be back for the final. I would risk playing Schweinsteiger, given how important he is to the team, and you see, you see what he can do for them. I wouldn't play Weigel. I wouldn't play Chan. I would play. I would play even a 50% Schweinsteiger ahead of both of them. Yeah, I'm not sure. Also, I'd have doubts about Schweinsteiger and Kroos together. Whether. Schweinsteiger was fit or not I think it'd become a quite a pedestrian uh, midfield at least in the centre of the park there uh, Weigl's got a bit more pace obviously than Schweinsteiger most people do these days um, and I think that's probably why you know, when you add that up plus mm-hmm. the risk I think that's probably why he's going to lean towards uh, yeah Weigl Okay Casper, uh, you mentioned Thomas Muller can't even score from the penalty spot these days are you yeah he, are you worried about it I mean he, he says himself he's not worried he says once the team is is winning. It's not really a big deal, but it must be a worry, right? Um, it is a bit. Uh, it is a bit worrying. Yes, um, the team is winning, so <laughs> it's a bit difficult to, to um, have a final judgment on it. And I think, you know, Müller. Uh, no, the the expectation of Müller is that, you know, he might be doing something in this game or a potential next game which um you know would make up for everything that he hasn't done so far <laughs> um but i think he has a he has an important role anyway with the with the team and i think he has an important role with opponents as well um who have you know a lot of respect for him and always look around them you know is he making unexpected run uh, to the left or to the right now so so i think having him on the pitch is a big thing with um, Schweinsteiger these days. I would have said four years ago, I would have said, oh, having a Schweinsteiger, or two years ago, having a Schweinsteiger on the pitch, even not fully fit. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to do the deal. But I think these days, Schweinsteiger wouldn't have needed to travel to France, to be honest. Um, wow. Maybe. Cutting words from Casper. Um, should we get a quick prediction from you? How do you see it panning out? It's very unfortunate that um, all these players are injured or suspended, um, which makes me doubt a little bit. But um, um, I think the 5-2 result of France um, overstates how how not great France were actually playing, how not well Fran- France were actually playing. Um, so I guess Germany are going are gonna to nick it 2-1. Andre? I'm not so sure about uh, Germany going through this one uh, because France, they're playing at home and in these kind of things is really, really important. Uh, playing at home in a tournament and uh, they are really 
motivated after defeating Iceland. Uh, so I would say, if I have to bet, I'll say France on this one. Yeah. Paddy, a final word on this match from you? Uh, we haven't really talked about Gomez uh, not being in the side, and I actually think this is probably almost the biggest loss um, for Germany. I agree. Um, because the the structure that he that he adds to that side, um, you saw the difference when he actually came in. Gomez has 10 chances a game and maybe scores one. He's never going to be the most um, accurate of strikers, but he knows how to play that role. And... Most importantly, the guys like Muller and, and and you know Draxler around him, they know where to be when 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 Gomez is in the team. So I think that's going to be the biggest problem. That being said, I actually still think that Germany can get through this. I think they're going to have enough. They, they've shown enough that they can get through these sort of teams um, and these sort of occasions. They did that with 2014, and I think the the, the mental toughness that they've got from knowing that they can win and, and win big um, is just going to be enough to see them through. But I'm also not 100 percent confident either. Well, I think I'll be the only person then who's 100% confident that Germany are going to go through. <laughs> I'd really, before this tournament, I was very excited about France, but having seen almost all of their matches, I don't think they're really up to much. And I think Germany are going to stuff them. Stuff them? I think it could Can be. Can you give us a score if you're going to yeah. say stuff? I would say, a le- well, I mean, at this stage of like competition. A three, like a five. Well, know. it won't be a seven one is what I would yeah. say. But I, think, <laughs> I think it could be, I think it could be a two or three, a two or three nil win. Right. Easily enough. Nil. Nil? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think Hoovedis and, and uh, Boateng will have enough between them to uh, to stop France. I, uh, just to finish that one, I mean, I think this game is going to be the real sort of um, baptism of fire, can you say, for Hector and Kimmich. Yeah. yeah. Um, because looking who they will come up against, uh, mm. Griezmann, Payet, um, that's absolutely. That's a real it's tough one tough, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah especially neat. Hector. I think they're going to single him out as the weak link in the side. Okay. Well, Andre, there is another semi-final going on. Yeah. It's your beloved Portugal against everybody else's beloved Wales. How are you feeling? A bit nervous? Uh, not yet. It's still early, so I, I get nervous uh, like uh, half an hour before the match. Just a half hour? Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, I man- I managed to control myself. The Iceman. The yeah. Iceman, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you're a bit more excited about uh, Renato Sanch. Yeah, I was really, really thrilled with uh, Renato starting in the in the last match. Uh, I was, as you know, I said it a hundred times, I, I was not happy with the Portuguese midfield since the, the very beginning of the tournament. So we needed some um, intensity and uh, the kid brought some intensity um, and I hope he's starting again and I hope we play with the same midfield we started against um, Poland he was a monster against Poland yeah, yeah I think he had like 98 touches 93% complete passing rate and he had that great goal mm-hmm. that was a cracking goal mm. what I liked most about that goal was how he took it on his right and finished it with his left true with two touches and uh, Nani touched is oh the Nani assist too yeah Ooh, nothing nicer than a back heel assist are you surprised with the Nani in this tournament incredibly surprised he's been one of the the best players in the tournament and he's uh, usually so inconsistent and he's playing like a man not not like a kid he used to be the kid on the pitch you know sometimes what's, what's changed that that's happened is it just maturity or I think so 
um, it was really good for for him to come back to Earth uh, when he left Man United for Sporting. It changed a lot on on that year. I think he he needed uh, to uh, be brought to to Earth and and feel it again because he he wasn't feeling it in um in Man in Man United for the last two seasons. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, he of course had his own statue of himself in his house too. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that. You didn't know that? Nah, what? Uh, yeah, I think I think it was Nanny had his own statue to himself. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that also, so now I'm I'm impressed. Maybe I'm libeling him here, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. We'll we'll check that yeah, we'll check yeah. that after the podcast. Um do you think, Andre, that um that Nanny's form has meant that charisma has been reduced to that sort of bit role, that sort of uh, joker role at the end of the games? Because Charisma's changed the game several times for Portugal, yet still seems to be coming off the bench. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. I think think Charisma is a great game changer. Yeah. When Sometimes when he starts, he doesn't do enough. Yeah. But every time he he comes in, he, he... Brings something new to the match. I mean, he looks good, even the way he runs on. You know, it's like chest down. Uh, he was, you know, al- he yeah. was always so stylish. Yeah, always. I, I remember I, I first saw him when he was seventeen, started for uh, for Sporting, and uh, and I thought, whoa, this guy is a Mustang. He's a is a horse. <laughs> the way the way he was. Yeah, it was really cool. You know, the when when we we when we were kids. We wanted to be like him on the pitch, you know, like really cool. I know how to, how to do my thing and I do it with style. And it was always like that uh, since he was 16, 17. So uh, now with a lot of tattoos. Mm. Uh, it also got him into trouble along the way a few times. Oh, yeah. Well. A lot but of I mean, he, he seems to have found the right mix now, you know, between hard work and still having that little bit of panache. Yeah, and he, he gave a few um, interviews in Portugal before going to the tournament, and he showed he's a very sensitive guy, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. <laughs> well, was, what did he do? Uh, he, he talked about um, his youth and how difficult it was because he, he, he's coming from a, a tough neighborhood in, in Lisbon and um, he's uh, from gypsy descent, so he needed to... Um, to adapt in several situations and deal with all the prejudice and and all that stuff. So he's uh, he can he considered himself a fighter and um, it's, when, a, it's a little bit of a Joey Barton transformation. Now he's all Zen and you know exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's that's a lovely story. Yeah, yeah. Um, how are you expecting Fernando Santos to to set up? Because I was going to play because uh, Carvalho like, is suspended, right? Uh, yeah, William Carvalho is suspended. It's going, it's going, Danilo is starting. It's right. Nothing is changing on that position. Okay, so Rafael Guerrero's back. I hope so. I, there's not a hundred percent sure he's fit. Right. Um, but I think it will be fit. Okay. For the and, match. Andre Gomez is also back, which is not a good news. Oh, okay. <laughs> not good news, at least in my opinion. Um, He'll be on the bench. I hope so. I hope so. In the last two matches, in particular, it was not it was not good enough, not at all. Um, so I hope uh, it doesn't start. But uh, we never know with Fernandes. Um, but he's gonna he's gonna play like he was playing in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. like this boring, stiff tactics. Of a boring four four two is is like a, his trademark. So 
Okay. I, I wouldn't expect fireworks from the, this match. Either. Is uh, is Joao Mario going to be dropped as well? He was pretty unimpressive against Poland. Yeah, he did a pretty bad match. I think it was the worst uh, on on the pitch probably in uh, against Poland. Um, I really like him, and I and I think he's uh, so uh, complete. Uh, either he's playing on the left, on the right, even in the middle, which is his uh, position, his natural position. So I would play him because I think he, he can make beautiful things every once in a while. Okay. Paddy, Wales have no Ben Davies and they have no Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. Can they cope with that? I mean, two key players, you know. Um, Especially Ramsey's been brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't sort of, you know, you can't sort of play down the effect that Ben Davies has had in that defence as well. It's been very well drilled. Um, but you're right, Ramsey is, is key. Um, he, he just... He's one of those players, that it's great to see, he loves playing for his country and the energy he's showed and he's had the players who have done the spade work around him to release. He's almost not quite played as a number 10, but almost just a roaming midfielder and I think he's really enjoyed that. It's a much more fluid role than what he plays for Arsenal. Um, and, that you know, Wales, for obvious reasons, don't have anyone who, who can step up in, in, that, in that breach and I think he's going to be a, a, a huge loss and for me that really does tip it in Portugal's favour. Oh, you're going with Portugal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Boah. absolutely. Yeah, I think the energy that Wales has had um, has has been terrific, and that's got them through a few sticky situations. And so has Bale and Ramsey. You know, um, they've been supported by a really good cast, um, but those two are definitely the key. And, and not having Ramsey, and I think getting to this stage of the tournament, there's only so much that emotion can do for you. Andre, I presume you're also going with Portugal, are you? I agree with uh, what Paddy said. Um, with Ramsey, I would say that probably Wales will start uh, a bit in advance comparing with uh, with Portugal with slightly ad- advantage. Uh, without Ramsey, I think uh, the advantage goes to Portugal. Okay. In a normal situation, uh, Portugal should go through. Casper, I agree on that. I think Wales, um, like Iceland, maybe not in in the same. Um, manner um, will, you know, that will be at the end of their journey right now. It's nice when we all agree, isn't it? Well, Unless you're not going to. Of well, no, I'm, not, I'm not going to agree with all of you. I, I genuinely think Wales will will be too good for Portugal. Oof. But and I wouldn't be so confident as I was with my Germany. Sure. With my okay. Germany one. Yeah. Now, you know the way I like to give you all an interesting fact each week? Mm-hmm. You have a choice this week between Joe Allen, Ashley Willems and Joe Ledley. Uh, which which one would you like to hear about? I'll I'll, I'll go with Ledley. I'll go with Ledley. I like a man with a big Well, Ledley is uh, it's about the dancing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Better than this, right? His facial hair has earned him the Beard of the Year award in Wales. Ooh. <laughs> is there an award for that? There's yeah. an award for wow. that. He got Beard of the Year. Where is the the best beard in the tournament? Well, Joe Ledley, obviously. I'll go oh, with Gunnison. Uh, yeah, Gunnison was pretty good. Big yeah. red one trumps everything, yeah. surely. Can I give you? <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> you are biased. Before we before we finish up on this section, can I give you my Joe Allen one anyway? Uh, you want to? I mean, it's really a captive audience. Right. It's what We've I was hoping. No it was what I was hoping you <laughs> would go for. Did he become second? Beard of the year? <laughs> no, he didn't, he didn't come second. You <laughs> should have. Uh, he keeps fourteen hens at home and was pictured with them on the cover of the spring edition of Chicken and Egg magazine. That's a beauty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Now, joining us on the line to talk about all things France is Andrew Gibney from French Football Weekly. Andrew, what's been the reaction in France to the win over Iceland? Do they think their side is set for glory, or are they worried about the worried about the flaws in the defence? Yeah, I think there was the, the first of all you got the excitement of the scoring five goals and, and looking in the first half, especially looking like a very very good side, and then you concede the two goals and I mean the defence has been the the worry since the start of the tournament and that doesn't help. I think they're not it's not as much panic as if it was if it conceded two goals early to Iceland there'd be more panic. I think the game was pretty much over. Uh, and it must be hard no matter how professional you are to sort of keep that level of concentration and commitment when when you're already four 0 up and you saw as soon as Iceland got got the first goal France went up and scored a fifth. It was kind of like we can easily uh, sort of secure this game, but let's not let's not put the foot or take the foot off the gas a little bit. So I think that there's definitely still worries. Obviously, Germany is a completely different prospect. But I think the, the sense is, is the mood's very good. I think the mood's a lot better than it was also before the Iceland game because a, a great first half, which they struggled to do. Uh, Deschamps got the tactics right, so a very upbeat mood. So they'll be feeling pretty confident then playing Germany? Confidence maybe be <laughs> the wrong word because it was Germany that, that beat France in the World Cup two years ago and France didn't turn up whatsoever. Deschamps, maybe it got it wrong that day, didn't make changes when it wasn't going France's way. It's a massive test. It was a massive uh, sort of barometer as to where this France, France team is. I think, I think the most important thing is they, they know they need to turn up and put in a performance. So maybe the result will go will go either good or bad, but I think as long as they put in a good performance and put in a good effort, I think that'll be more respected than the way that they, they went out in Brazil. Do you think that um, Deschamps is going to stick with the same side that overcame Iceland, or will he look to change things up a bit? It's, it's a hard one because of N'Golo Kante, because of how good he's been for, for France and for Leicester. There's the temptation to bring him back in, but then you're, you're changing back to the the three-man midfield of, of Kante, Matuidi and Pogba, which hasn't quite worked. I think we saw the best of Matuidi and Pogba against Iceland. They, they were fantastic in the midfield, getting the balls forward. They both, so it was Pogba that played the ball through that Giroud flicked to uh, Griezmann, and it was Matuidi that set up Giroud for the first goal. So you, you see the benefits there. But then you really want someone like Kante to get in amongst Ozil and Draxel and those guys to really to win the ball back and put them under pressure. I think he'll stick to the same the same formation, uh, the 4-2-3-1. I'm just not sure whether he'll make a massive call and bring Kanti in for possibly Matuidi, but I would probably stay with the, the, the 11, uh, apart from the, the, the defence. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what I'll do there, but definitely the same midfield and attack as started against Iceland. Andrew, you mentioned 2014 World Cup. Um, of course, it was yeah. Hummels who got the uh, the header that day. He's obviously missing, um, as is Kadira and uh, uh, Gomez and possibly Schweinsteiger. Of yeah. those absences, which one do you think actually is more beneficial for France? Well, I think it has to be Hummels. Uh, that, that out at the back, especially against Giroud, who's now got nine goals in his last nine games, not having him in that back lane is absolutely huge no respect that Jerome Boateng's an excellent uh, defender he's been great so far but having that protection of Hummels beside him uh, is going to be huge for France the movement from Griezmann and Paye 
I think that that's, that's the biggest blow for Germany and that's the, the biggest boost uh, for France. Going back to Giroud for a second, as you say, he's he's been in great form. He's got a couple of assists to to go with the, to go with those goals. Have you been have you been impressed with him this tournament? I, I think he's been fantastic, and I think I was one 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 person who was I was behind him since since the start. In all honesty, I think I probably wouldn't play Benzema even if it wasn't for the for the blackmail thing. I, I don't think he works. In this this current France team, the way that the way that Giroud works, you look at not even just what he does up front, but you see him chasing back as well, and he puts pressure on the midfield. And then he's there for the little knockdowns, the little the little one twos. He's so much more of a team player than someone like Benzema is. But anyway, he's also giving you goals as well. And as I say, he's got he's got an assist. He's, I think he's done everything that France would want in a centre forward to do. At an international tournament, I think more than Benzema's ever done for France in an international tournament uh, through his whole career. I, I think anyone who's critical of Giroud is maybe based on the, the Arsenal sort of uh, the form that he, he misses a lot of chances. That's fair, but for France, I mean, he's never let France down, and he's shown now that he can be the man to lead uh, a team forward. And, and I think this tournament, you've seen that it's not all about individuals; it's about the team and that team ethic, and you have to play the best players to suit the team, not just the best players to suit themselves. And I think that's what France did through this whole, the whole Benzema, Ribéry era. I think now we're seeing Deschamps picking the very best team rather than, rather than the best individuals. Um, where, where do you see the biggest threats for France um, against Germany? It has to be down, down the wing. Uh, Precis Evra, God bless him, uh, has looked, He's, he's, he's old. He's getting on. He's not. You look at the way he plays for Juventus. Uh, Allegri plays three-five-two, and he gets the protection from the centre backs in, in the midfield. In a back four, he's, he looks so exposed at times, and I really worry about that threat down the wings uh, that Ever's going to get caught out. He has done on a few occasions now already. I mean, don't blame him as much for that Iceland goal because, as I said, the game was kind of gone but it still came from his side and a lot of the goals come from his side. And if you're Yogi Lowe, you have to attack down that left flank and that's where I think Deschamps was a massive decision to make because Samuel Ntiti, I thought, had a very good game against Iceland. For, for your international debut at a quarter-final, it was great, but can you trust him and Evra down that left-hand side? Whereas if you bring back Rami, although you're exposing yourself to pace a little bit more, You've got the partnership of Evra and Koscielny, which both of them are much more used to. So I think that's going to be really the key area for France and for Germany because the, the defence is shaky. There's no denying that. And if they can get, get to Evra and, and get the defenders moving around and covering him, it's going to make up some spaces on, on the right as well. OK, final prediction, Andrew, before we let you go. <laughs> uh, I have to be positive. I'm going to go for... A 2-1 France victory. Uh, and they'll say, let's use Giroud to get the winner. That was Andrew Gibney from French Football Weekly. Casper, you found what Andrew had to say about the fullbacks pretty interesting. Yeah, I'd have to I have to say I, I agree with him. Um, I mean, you don't have to be a magician to figure it out, but the defence, especially the fullbacks, are shaky. Um, Evra is not the youngest, so um, it's a big chance um, for Müller to actually turn up um, 
at the game and or at the Euros properly. Um, he's shown um, for Bayern against Juventus that um, he can do it um, against Evra. So um, I'd expect him to make the most out of it. Don't you feel like uh, every single time we're looking for um, handicaps on, on teams, we're just spotting the fullbacks on both teams? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lack of quality yeah. on, on fullbacks in the world. It's unbelievable. Why is that? Everybody wants to be the glory attacking player. I think that now. when you when you're um, growing up and and if you're good, they try to play you up front and try to make uh, a winger out of you. So that's why we have uh, a lot of great wingers nowadays, and we don't have a, a lot of football, fullbacks. Right? It's part of my theory. When whenever you know I have a little son, I'm just going to make sure he, his ambitions don't go past the fullback position, and he'll probably. Play professional, I can retire. Everything's cool. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Make sure he's left-footed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> left-footed. The, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, left footed. Yeah. So you're going to be drilling him at the back garden. Absolutely. He's going to hate me and probably, you know, uh, divorce his parents by the time he's 16. But he'll be professional. Oh, good luck with that. Hopefully, he's a bit taller. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Casper, Andre, Andrew and our producer Damien. Go to iTunes, download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and while you're there, you should download One Football too. Thanks for listening. I love-